yeah, if you get a chance, I would I would encourage folks to listen to that podcast. It uh, again, it's 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 not like many of the other podcasts where we have scientists on there, or the president of the game commission, or director of the game and fish department, or talking about feeding deer, or wildlife crossings. Uh, but when it really breaks down to the the most simplest form of what allows us to do what we do. Um, it's on the backs of many that have made the ultimate price that allow us to live in this great nation. So. Rockcast is powered by Onyx Hunt, and for good reason. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app in the industry. Stay tuned for a Rockcast promo code. Hey, Rockslide World, Robbie Denning here. Based out of Green River, Wyoming, and established in 2012, the Muley Fanatic Foundation exists to ensure the conservation of mule deer and their habitat and to provide such supporting services to further the sport of hunting and sound wildlife management. They kicked off their inaugural Mule Deer Days event in 2023. That event alone allocated $472,000 to projects like Wyoming Highway 189 Wildlife Crossings and other Mule Deer Habitat projects. Today, we have Joshua Corsi, President and CEO of the Muley Fanatic Foundation, to tell us more about this year's Mule Deer Days event that takes place May 2nd through the 4th in Rock Springs, Wyoming. You need to listen to what this guy has to say. It'll help make you a Muley Fanatic. And like I said, every time we talk about conservation, I'm helping you become a better deer hunter. All right. So it's worth the listen. Welcome to the episode, Joshua. You out there? Yeah. Hey, Robbie. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it greatly. Yeah, you bet, man. Glad to have you back on. And, uh, you know, Travis uh, Hobbs and I came to the Mule Deer Days inaugural event last year. Uh, thanks to our friend Jaden Bales for letting us know that that was occurring. Um, uh, and I've teased you about this before. I know your marketing wasn't real strong last year, but it's coming on. More people are finding out about what, what the Muley Fanatic Foundation is and specifically Mule Deer Days. And that's why I wanted to have you back on the podcast today because you are having another Mule Deer Days event this year, May 2nd through the 4th in Rock Springs, Wyoming. Is that right? Yeah, you hit it right on the head, Robbie. And yeah, last year, uh, you know, the the weather could not have been any worse. I mean, it literally shut down the entire cowboy state and uh, we, we heard about it. Uh, and so we, you know, reacting to that and trying to plan on the weather, which is never a, a good safeguard, but uh, we have moved it. Uh, I and I realize and and I know we we've been hearing it. You've even <laughs> kind of given me a little bit of a crap on it, but uh, yeah, I know I know shed opener is going to interfere with some people's plans for this. But uh, you know, we we were really at the mercy of what was available with the venue. We knew that uh, trying to do it in March, not only did it compete with so many of our chapter events, but it uh, it just had too much risk for for travel and inclement weather. So you that's where we landed May second through the fourth. All right. And that is a Wednesday through a Saturday shed season in Wyoming, unless it's delayed. Remember last year it was delayed two weeks. Um, unless it's delayed, we'll open on May 1st. So uh, all you guys that are out that are shed hunters, you can still go on the opener. 
uh, get the low-hanging fruit, and then cruise into Rock Springs, either the second, third, or the fourth. You can come in here all days and uh, come come to the Mule Deer Days event. It will make you a better deer hunter. For those of you that might be new to the Rockcast, uh, Travis and I actually recorded some episodes at the Mule Deer Days event last year. You can go back into the archives. Oh, they were probably released around April, May of last year on the Rockcast. Go through those. You'll see those different researchers that we interviewed. And that's the stuff I'm talking about that'll make you a better deer hunter. Uh, hunters are by nature, we're very emotional. We're very passionate about our sport. And sometimes we let the science go by the wayside. And that's why I like to have these researchers and talk to them at these events because they can really help you kind of understand the whole picture of mule deer and all they're dealing with and, and how to become a better mule deer hunter. So I'm happy to su- support the Muley Fanatic Foundation, Joshua, because you're, you're helping us become better hunters and ultimately you're helping mule deer. So before we jump into the specifics of the Mule Deer Days, let's just give people kind of a quick overview of the Muley Fanatic Foundation. Like a year ago, I thought the Muley Fanatics Foundation was a chapter of the Mule Deer Foundation. I was all screwed up, and you corrected me on that. You're you're your own entity, and uh, tell people about the Muley Fanatic Foundation. Well, and you got that partly right, Robbie. I mean, we were at one point uh, from 2006 to 2011, we were just a chapter based in Southwest Wyoming associated with the Mule Deer Foundation. And, and uh, you know, quite frankly, we just found a different way to do business, a different model, something that uh, we thought would allow local folks to see a difference of the dollars that they support those causes with. And uh, so we we started our own 501c3 in 2012, a nonprofit, uh, the Muley Fanatic Foundation. And certainly it's, uh, you know, we're not, we're not uh, against the Mule Deer Foundation. Anybody who's doing good work for deer, we, we support. Uh, Joey and I, who started the Muley Fanatic Foundation, we're both life members of MDF. Uh, we, again, we just found a different way to do business. Uh, our model is really quite simply. Um, and, and it was, you know, it was motivated by our five years of leading a chapter for MDF. We had generated a ton of money for that organization, uh, just a little bit less than 590000 in five years. And we could only account for about 12% of that money going back into Wyoming and on the ground in Wyoming. But the biggest frustration for us is we didn't have a say in how those dollars were being allocated. And um, so that prompted us just to see, you know, is there a different way that conservation can exist where folks can really measure the fruit of their own labor? And so our model, and it, it was designed to be simple, uh, each of our chapter with their annual fundraising event that they host, they retain 70% of those dollars in a local bank account. And then they allocate those funds through all volunteer committee members from that area. And it was really, again, just to, to showcase how folks can support conservation in areas where they live, and then have a say in how those dollars are going to be allocated. And it's proven to be a great success for us. We have chapters in seven states. Uh, we have chapters in Oregon and Texas right now that uh, are getting the, the conversation started about starting a, up a chapter in those states. And, um, you know, we're, we've kind of pumped the brakes a little bit because we're right in the middle of banquet season now with our chapters. But uh, it's growing and it, it's doing what it was designed to do. And that's put the money on the ground and let folks be able to measure the fruit of their own labor. Right. So it's created to kind of keep the, the the money more locally, impact the local sportsmen and mule deer in those areas. But I've I've heard you say that you have a very far, far reaching chapter 
uh, that is that is way out of mule deer country, and I can't remember what state it was in. Uh, you know what yeah, I'm talking about? In, yeah, I uh, and, and they've done a great job. In fact, this will be uh, they have an event coming up in April. Kevin Monteith and I are going to go out to that event. Uh, they're in Virginia, and, Virginia. Uh, and, you know, in a place where we don't even have mule deer on the landscape, but uh, they've uh, they've generated a significant amount of money, and they have a, a very well organized project allocation committee. They sit around, they review proposals of mule deer specific projects that are taking place out west, and they allocate those projects, which I, I think is it's a testament just to how important conservation is that it's not just a Western thing. It's anybody who comes out West and appreciates the resource. It's really, they're not in giving back and trying to do their part to, to, you know, obviously mitigate the, the many challenges and impacts that are facing mule deer. So. Well, big thanks to that chapter out there in Virginia. What's the name of their chapter? It's the Blue Ridge chapter. The Blue Ridge chapter. Well, hey, you know, it's kind of in vogue right now to hack on non-residents. You know, I'm I'm getting kind of tired of a lot of these residents, Western hunters that are just hating on non-residents all the time. And it's like, wait a minute, you know, there's something like 300,000 non-resident hunters in the West and we need their support. We need their money and, and we need to find a way to, to get them out here and get them hunting. So, so, uh, uh, you know, what, what are we going to say to guys that are in Virginia that are, that are helping mule deer, you know? stay out of my state, man. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do that to them. Geez, these guys are, these guys are beating the drum for us. So I, I always want to make room for those guys out here too, if we can. And, you know, hats off to the Blue Ridge chapter. You said you have seven other chapters in uh, different states. Did I follow that? Yeah, we, we actually 17 chapters in 17. seven states. Okay. I won't yeah. have you name them all, but, uh, but that, that's great to know. And, um, um, so, so the Muley Fanatic, Muley Fanatic, foundation you can have a chapter in your state and uh, it sounds like you keep 70 percent of that that money that you raise uh it, it locally uh is that correct did i follow all that yep that's exactly right okay are you looking for more chapters we, we are but we're looking for the right chapters uh, we're not just looking for folks that just you know because uh, we do we do things a little bit different Robbie uh and and it's not for everybody but uh you know our chapter you know we have a policy and procedure manual that uh, was developed by the chapter's input um you know our chapter volunteers they they don't drink and participate at the events because they're there to be hosts and some mm -hmm. some folks you know, they just, uh, they want to have a good time and that's great. We all want to have a good time, but, uh, you know, if you're involved with a, with a chapter and the effort to uh, generate that event, then, you know, the number one role you have is to, to be a good host and have a great event and really celebrate after your event when you can allocate dollars to the ground to help meal dinner. So that, yeah. that, uh, you know, that doesn't work for everybody. Uh, you know, we, uh, but we figured out the uh, the volunteers that we have that lead our chapter efforts. They they have a good time doing it. Uh, they can they can put hit the pause button and uh, enjoy the festivities another time. But when they're hosting their event, uh, we just ask our our volunteers that you know be a good host, uh, run a well organized event. Uh, you know, there's a lot of moving parts when you put on a fundraising event, and we don't want to just have a fundraising event. We want to have a great event. We want to put the fun in fundraising. Uh, we want to have nice prizes. We, we leverage the partnerships that we've built with many national industry leaders. Kuyu has been a big partner of us, uh, of ours from the beginning. Weatherby, of course, uh, is another one that uh, has been just unbelievable. Maven, Vortex. I mean, you start naming them and inevitably you're going to lose 
by uh, failing to mention someone, but our our chapters are are really we we found that the chapters that have kind of a two headed monster, a, ch- a, ca- a chair and a co chair, and then they can you know have someone that would take minutes or, or be a good treasurer, uh, provide good accounting, keep the folks that are supporting their event in the know of what they're doing, uh, soliciting not only proposals from the state wildlife agency, but private landowners and and everyday sportsmen and sportswomen that have good ideas. What's neat about our Virginia chapter, and and it's kind of crazy to think about this, you know, wildlife crossings are a real sexy, shiny object in the room right now, but they come at a very high price tag, but they work and you can quantify their success immediately. But our Virginia chapter was actually the first contributing funds to an account for the Kimmer Wildlife Crossing Project that uh, just received a, a big grant through uh, the federal government to to bring that, that project to fruition. And they're going to break ground on that project next year. But in total, that project is going to be about $37 million when it's done. It's going to include five underpasses and one overpass. And to think that the, the first dollars that were even put in that account with the Wyoming Game and Fish Department to start generating some support for that came out of Virginia is pretty darn cool. That is, that is. And that's why I want to remind hunters and not just Wyoming, but, you know, a lot, lot of, lot of Western hunters don't want non-residents. And I'm like, that's very short-sighted. And you just gave an example right there of why, why it's important to uh, make room for these non-residents. They want to help us to conserve this great species too. And uh, the wildlife crossings. I mean, if I heard you right, there's going to be five installed through there. Yeah, and this is south of Kimmer between Kimmer and I-80. And it was, you know, they completed that dry piney wildlife crossing project. They did the ribbon cutting for that last year. And uh, that was a that was a big heavy lift as well. That took almost a decade of fundraising for that. We contributed a ton of money to that and many others. Uh, but uh, th- those projects, they work and they work day one. But they uh, they move at a very slow pace just because of the cost, the engineering. And then the amount of earth that's moved and the appropriate fencing and materials that go with that. Obviously, YDOT and the Game and Fish Department have put themselves in the driver's seat to go after some of those federal dollars. Um, but, uh, yeah, they uh, they work and they work well. So That's great to hear. That's why I don't apologize for uh, getting more people involved uh, with the love of mule deer. Because I know if they love mule deer, there's more of a chance of being able to conserve this species uh, into the future, many, many, many years. And, um, you know, all, all, everybody's money's welcome, residents, non-residents. Um, think think about the Muley F- uh, Fanatic Foundation if you're looking to support another foundation. As I've said on previous podcasts, uh, I am a lifetime member of the Mule Deer Foundation, a big supporter of the Muley Fanatic Foundation. They they all need our help. Uh, it the the, the for people to be able to follow you, okay, you know, Instagram's kind of the easy button for a lot of people. So uh, I, I follow the Muley Fanatic Foundation main page. That's you guys. But the only other chapter, at least that comes up under Muley Fanatic uh, on Instagram is the Muley Fanatic Northern Utah chapter. Are there other ones out there that people can support or should they just follow the main Muley Fanatic Foundation Instagram page? No, I, I would I would encourage you to you know look at all of our chapter efforts uh, by design. Our our chapters, um, you know, they they are all doing good work, all different work in different areas. Uh, but you know, trying to to have every chapter push out a social media site. I mean, the volunteers. I mean, it's a fine line when you start asking and wanting them to do more than what they already I do. See. But, uh, 
I see. Gotcha. Uh, you know, our the the best source of information um, is probably our website. I mean, we're we're on all the platforms, uh, Instagram and Facebook, but uh, you know, really the best host of a platform to be able to provide someone with enough information to be able to make an educated decision on whether they want to support the effort or not is to really look at the website, mealyfanatic.org. A lot of people put an S on fanatic and, and they call and say, Hey, I'm trying to get on your website. There's no S. It's There's no S. Fanatic. <laughs> I've made that mistake before, even preparing for this podcast. I'm like, why can I not get this to come up? So, okay, Muley Fanatic, singular, Muley Fanatic Foundation. But I'll just tell you, Joshua, I know that guys are lazy. They're not on their PC. They're not uh, they're, 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 they're not logging into your website until they find you on Instagram. And so everybody, Muley Fanatic Foundation on Instagram, once you get in there, uh, get, get on their profile page, you will see the links uh, to where you need to go for their website and um, all kinds of interesting things. I see, I see other links on here um, to your podcast. We're going to talk about that too. You guys just, I don't know if you just started a podcast, but I just started to see it out there. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Guys will follow you on the podcast too. Yeah, we launched the podcast uh, intentionally on July 4th of 2023. And I had picked that date deliberately really as a nod to, to recognize that, you know, even a podcast is a byproduct of freedom uh, to live in this yeah. country and to have the freedom that we have. Uh, it comes at a very tall, very, very significant sacrifice that has been made by many. And so we we launched this podcast on July 4th of last year. There's a new episode out every Tuesday. If there's one episode I would encourage folks to listen to, um, it, it's this week's episode. It's really kind of outside the box. But our podcast is called Wild Things in Wild Places. And, uh, you know, a, a week ago, this yesterday, so February 13th, uh, we had an officer in Sheridan, Wyoming, that was killed in the line of duty serving a trespass warrant. And so I did a podcast on that, which is, uh, yeah, again, not not within the, the confines of the regular content, but uh, that, that hit home for me. My father was a law enforcement officer that was killed in the line of duty 10 days after he was elected sheriff. And that thin blue line that uh, provides for law and order, um, you know, it, it, it's, it, it is so important for, for who we are as a society and who we are as a nation. And um, yeah, if you get a chance, I, I would encourage folks to listen to that podcast. It, uh, again, it's, it's, it's not like, Many of the other podcasts where we have scientists on there, or the president of the game commission or director of the game and fish department are talking about feeding deer, or wildlife crossings. Uh, but when it really breaks down to the, the most simplest form of what allows us to do what we do, um, it's on the backs of many that have made the ultimate price that allow us to live in this great nation. So. Subscription will provide way more value than the $100 annual fee will cost you. And that's before you apply the 20% Rockcast promo code. You'll use Onyx on every hunt, every planning session, and now save money with exclusive deals on gear from the industry's best. Onyx Elite also includes application and draw odds tools, educational resources for all species, exclusive mapping and scouting tools, and last but not least, access to nationwide coverage and now Canada. Onyx Hunt Elite is trusted by millions. Onyx has also released new features to help make hunters more successful. 
Already known for nationwide public and private land ownership and being a fully functional GPS without service, Onyx Hunt has just released new aerial imagery options like Leaf Off, recent imagery updated every two weeks with historic look back and imagery on demand. On top of that, Onyx is reinventing the trail camera market by syncing your Hunt app with multiple cell camera manufacturers and helping organize and analyze your photos. You can also now view your maps in Dash when driving to your next hunting location. These are just a few of the many updates Onyx has for this hunting season. So try Onyx Hunt for free for seven days or go to onyxmaps.com and use promo code ROCKCAST for 20% off your new Onyx Hunt membership. Oh yeah, brother. I'm so glad you bring this up because we are spoiled rotten. Um, uh, when I when I was in college in the oh late 80s, early 90s, I lived with a bunch of Asian guys um, when because uh, I was in engineering school, and they were just blown away at our wildlife at what we had. I remember I remember we had this one dude. He kept getting in trouble because he was he was trying to kill some protected bird that was nesting on the side of the engineering building, you know, because he just, he was never around wildlife, you know? So any wildlife he saw, he's like, man, kill it and eat it. And, 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 and so I remember just talking to these guys, they, they, it was just unfathomable to them, you know, how many deer and elk we had and that, you know, through, you know, as long as, you know, proper license and, and, and the right species. I think that's why that guy was getting in trouble. That was like a protected bird he was trying to kill, you know, where in their country, it's a free for all, you know, if it's breathing, kill it and eat it. And, uh, uh, and, and I just remember thinking, wow, I like, I'm so sheltered here. I don't even realize what, what I have available to me until I meet somebody from, from another country. And, and, and you know, there, there, many of these countries, there, there, there's no wildlife protection. I mean, there's no wildlife. And, uh, and, and so we are so lucky, but it does come on the backs of our, our, our men and women, our soldiers. And, um, and then, as you mentioned, even our police officers. And I hope that that's what people have seen the last, uh, you know, three, three or four years is that, uh, we tried the anarchy. A lot of Americans have tried the anarchy, the whole defund the police, everything, all of that stuff. I, I think everybody that has got half a brain stand back now and go, oh, no, we need the police. We need them more than ever. And, uh, and, and, and that's the only foundation that you can have a civil society on. And a civil society is the only way that you can have wild Creatures. The uh, the uh, let's mention that officer. I pulled that up while you were talking. This was Officer Nevada Krinky. Is that correct? That is correct. Yep. All right. Well, he did make the ultimate sacrifice in the line of duty. Our hats off uh, to him and uh, prayers for his family and those that he left behind. Um, so the the podcast you call that the it's the wild things in wild places podcast everybody go out there and sub subscribe to that uh we all love podcasts there there's an easy way to stay in touch uh with these guys and let's see um i think we kind of covered everything on the muley fanatic foundation the chapters um if anybody wants to talk to you about um starting a chapter and you laid out kind of some of the things you know you're you you want the right chapters in the right places can they just contact you through instagram yeah, contact us through Instagram or the, call the headquarters directly, 307-875-3133. Uh, uh, we, uh, we have a director of chapter operations, great guy. His name's Chris Steffen. Um, he'd be happy to visit with you. You can call me directly. That's fine. Um, and if you just, again, I, I know it's kind of archaic, but if you, if, if you want to look at what events are coming up, if you want to see another chapter event, our 10 country event, which is in Fremont County, Riverton, they always have a great event. I, I 
you know, we, uh, we couldn't say enough about the efforts that they do. They, uh, they do a bang up job this year's event. They got Cody Robbins. That'll be coming to last year. They had Shockey the year before they had, uh, Ranilla. I mean, they've had Newberg every year. They bring in a guest, but, uh, they're giving away a side-by-side, a lot of guns, uh, you know, just a good event. Uh, they, they really kind of dialed that in with great precision to be able to, to give folks an opportunity to, to not only contribute dollars to support their efforts, but then to showcase how they're spending the money. They've they've contributed a significant amount of money to some wildlife crossing projects up in that Dubois area. Uh, they've done some great habitat projects and Aspen restor- restoration projects and water guzzler projects. And, um, that, that chapter is real accountable to their community, letting them know what they're doing. They're very involved with the school system, bringing the hunter education program back into the schools. Uh, they just recently funded some bulletin boards that the middle school has put up with great pride just for young students to be able to showcase their their hunting field photos. Uh, and we need more of that. I mean, hunters, uh, we, we you know, they're like birds. We Birds of a feather flock together. But in the bigger picture, uh, hunters are really a small minority if you look at how many people actually hunt nationwide. And um, depending on what statistic you read, it's uh, you know it's about less than four percent of the population. And, um, so it takes every bit of effort we can as good stewards to continue this very valued and cherished heritage that we have as hunters. And the Ten Country Chapter does a great job with that. Um, anybody who's interested in starting a chapter, I, that, that's always my first ask: is you know find a chapter that uh, is close proximity to you maybe attend their event, see what you like about their event, see where you find room for improvement of what would be something you could cater to make it a little different for your community. Our Reno event that's coming up in a couple of weeks is a, is another event. Our, our Denver event this weekend that's coming up, uh, you know, they're sold out 500 attendees and they, they sell out every year. And it really caters to a lot of the folks that are in the oil and gas industry. You know, sometimes conservation and oil and gas are put on the opposite ends of the spectrum, but uh, that's never been yeah. the case with us. We, we see them as a very valuable partner. A lot of those folks, uh, I mean, you talk about an industry that is over-regulated uh, to, to every move of, that they make. Um, you know, the only problem I've ever had with the oil and gas industry is that sometimes they, they're not tooting their horn enough for what they're doing for conservation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh yeah, I've heard you know, that, some of that. You guys talk about that on some of the uh, on the Antec line out there by Pinedale. Some of the good things that they've done. Yeah, there there really has, and 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 every industry changes. Uh, every industry figures out how to do things better, more efficient, and they're not they're not immune to that. Uh, I think we've seen that time and time again. Where you know, twenty years ago when the Mesa was full steam ahead, you know, nobody was talking about directional drilling. The reclamation mm-hmm. has changed. I mean. Mm-hmm. We're all in this together is the bottom line. And if you care about mule deer, uh, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. Um, you know, we there's there's an opportunity for us to do good things for mule deer. And they need all the help they can get. Yep. Well, we, we got we got to make room for people, but I believe working together, we can make room for mule deer, too. I jumped on that page while you were talking. So anybody that goes to muleyfanatic.org forward slash chapters, you can take a look at some of their chapters that are on there. Um, I see the 10 country chapter that's out of Lander. That's the one you were just talking about. You've got a chapter, uh, in Loveland and Greeley, Colorado, the Sierra front Nevada chapter in Reno, the Northeast Wyoming chapter in Sundance, Southwest Wyoming chapter in Rock Springs. We've got a Southeast Idaho chapter in Montpelier. 
uh, NorCal chapter in Benicia, California. So you guys are, you guys are, that's not even all 17 of them, but, uh, you got a pretty good reach here for a fledgling organization. So good job, man. Hey, thanks, Robbie. We're, we're trying. I mean, it didn't come with a playbook or owner's manual. Um, you know, we've had, uh, we've had some trial and error. I mean, Mule Deer Days won last year that, uh, you know, that was unprecedented. Just the idea that uh, a state agency would partner with an organization to put on what, uh, was designed to be the statewide builder conservation event of the entire state. And, you know, we learned a lot from last year and we're, we're excited to implement those changes this year in May. So. Great. Well, let's move into that now. We've covered everything kind of we wanted to on the Muley Fanatic uh, Foundation National and then their their local chapters. Let's talk more about the Mule Deer Days. Mule Deer Days, um, you just said it, that was just created last year. You did it in partnership with the Wyoming Game and Fish? That's correct. Yeah. Right. And then you had another partner, uh, Monteith Shop? The Monteith Shop. Yep. They're, uh, we're, we're closely tied to the Monteith Shop. We've, uh, you know, part of our mission statement in sound science is being able to provide the, the right information for the toolbox so that uh, our wildlife managers can make the right decisions. And, you know, we're only as good as the information we have. Uh, when we were a very young organization, 2012, we had just got started. Uh, the Wyoming Range project, due to some budget restraints within the Game and Fish Department, was on the chopping block. I mean, they were trying to to cut significantly just so they could make budget. And I got a call from the director at the time asking, like, you know, I know this is a big ask, but uh, this is on the chopping block. I know how important this project is to you guys, how important the Wyoming Range Builder Herd is. But the only way we're going to be able to see this project continue is with a $170,000 commitment. And, uh, we just can't put it within the budget cuts that we have. And I, I didn't hesitate. I didn't know how I was going to generate $170,000 to keep the project going. But uh, I committed on the phone right there and then called Joey and said, I just committed that we would generate $170,000 for the Wyoming Range project to get going. And um, I just had the faith that, you know, that herd is such an iconic herd that sportsmen and sportswomen would come together and that we could generate those dollars. Uh, I reached out to a local auto dealer that uh, has been a big supporter of us. Uh, we worked out a deal on an F-150 Kuyu. They wrapped it, lifted it, put rack on it, fog lights, high lift stuff. that needed budget of $170,000. And now, 10 years later, when you look at that project, or 12 years now, uh, there's been millions of dollars that have been invested to keep that project going. And boy, the information that has come from that has been at nothing short of profound. Okay. Um, so, so you, we, we mentioned the, the Wyoming range project, um, you were able to, to secure that $170,000. You told us how, but we probably better catch everybody up on what, what, what is the Wyoming range project? So that, that's uh, really the bread and butter of the Monty shop. That's what uh, put Dr. Monteith on the map. Uh, obviously he came to the university of Wyoming, uh, had come, doing other work in the Sierra Madre, uh, you know, did his undergrad work in South Dakota. Uh, but really, Kevin Monteith has become a, really the leading mule deer scientist in the West. And, um, you know, they've got multitude of projects now going on throughout the state, but the Wyoming ranges is bread and butter. And uh, it's been a very valuable project. I mean, when you start looking and mapping out migration corridors and maintaining their connectivity, how those projects have come to be and the information that they've been able to provide our state wildlife agency 
Uh, it's it's been significant. And then you you know you add the variables of different winners. Seventeen winner was a bad winner, uh, and then last year, oh my gosh, absolutely epic. Um, and so it just really is is you know I hope there's never a time when we think that okay we've learned enough about this herd let's move on. That no, like no. Every year presents new opportunities. It does. Just what I've learned about mule deer in the last five years. So, so Dr. Monteith, he runs what's called the Monteith Shop. I think some people hear that and they think, hey, what do they do? Sell t-shirts and hats? No, that is a group of researchers. And, and correct me if I'm wrong here. They're based out of the University of Wyoming, correct? They are. Yeah, they are University of Wyoming staff. And, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, professors that uh, run similar type operations, they're, they're usually like the lab. Uh, Kevin had a real hard time with thinking that it would be called the Monteith Lab because he thought the moniker indicated that, you know, that's a bunch of white sport coats in a in a in a room looking at petri dishes. And he says, you know, I want to be a shop, like a mechanic shop. I want to yes. be hands-on. I want to be outside. And so that's why they call it the Monteith Shop. And, and you know what? I'm with you. Um uh the and and when when before I came to Mielder Days last year, I was reading a little bit about about Kevin and you know Doctor Monteith. You know, I had that 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 vision too. You know, a, a white jacket and you know pencils in his pocket. Oh no, heck! I get there. That dude's got muddy boots on, muddy pants, a torn up jacket, and he's skinning a deer, a, 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 a roadkill <laughs> buck right there in Mielder Days yeah. on a blue tarp. In in the conference room, and I know, oh, yeah, this dude is not like the not like what I pictured, and and you know, and same thing with his researchers. You know, these are in the field people, and I, I met a bunch of them last year, and so they're going to be featured featured at this year's Mule Deer Days. But they're but but that's a group of researchers out of the University of Wyoming, led by 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 Dr. Monteith, and they'll be at the Mule Deer Days this year, just like they were last year. And to me, I mean, the booths were great that everybody did. Um, you know, all the all the little side stuff you guys had going, but it was really those seminars that Travis and I went to that really hooked us, you know, because it was the biology of, of mule deer, what's driving our populations, how can we help them? Again, this stuff makes you better deer hunter people, I'm just telling you. And and, and, and as I told you off the airs, you know, we recorded those episodes and re re released them on the Rockcast. They were some of our most listened to episodes last year. So you're going to have that group back there. Have they have they decided on on uh, seminar topics yet? What they're going to talk on, or is it still too early? No, we, we've we've been in discussion. Uh, obviously, with the Game and Fish as a partner on this, uh, part of their what they're bringing to the table is not only some of the content within the seminars, but then you know that's been an opportunity for us to be able to say, well, these these topics are you know important for us as well, and so we're we're not going to release that information until March sixth. Okay. Uh, until we have a final schedule, but when we release it, it'll be a full release with all of the dates, uh, whether it's Friday or Saturday, what times those seminars will be going on. So folks can really dial in where and when they want to be there to be able to catch whatever is of interest to them. I, I can tell you the one seminar that, uh, uh, it, you know, it was a little disappointing last year, just with the, what we had with the weather, but, uh, even the folks that were there and you're right, Monty, that was standing room only. Of course, Director Nesvik, his uh, his update on grizzly bears, and and just being the director that uh, you know that had well attendance. But the one that uh, I, I do want to ask that we bring back is is just an update on chronic wasting disease, uh, because that is something that is changing every day. There are many knowns, but there are just as many unknowns. 
And so I do know that the CWD conversation is something that we got to keep front and center because there are some places where folks are living with this in their backyard and it's absolutely devastating. And then there's places where folks really aren't familiar with it because they don't have an intimate interaction with it. Uh, And so they, you know, they just kind of shrug it off like, well, it's, you know, it's not here or, or, you know, whatever it is, but uh, yeah. Yeah. um, And that's the kind of stuff. CWD is real. Yeah. Oh, it's real. It's real. We we have no doubt on it. But you know, for 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 the average hunter, they're like if they don't have it in their area. It's like, man, how does it affect me? Well, I can tell you if you're a big buck hunter, how it's affecting you right now. Uh, CWD and and the management of it is what's driving the late seasons in Colorado, the later dates, the the late second season, the late third season, the late fourth season. Be because by design they want to harvest more older mule deer. Um, in their research, they 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 think that these older mule deer because they travel the landscape more during the rut are 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 spreading CWD. And so so that's what's driving those seasons among other things. There's a few other issues too how it lines up with elk season and everything like that, but but so hunters need to be up on that and uh because it's affecting you. And uh you've you know, I'm, this is just my opinion here, but we've had people on the rockcast even the last few episodes that have talked about those late seasons actually decreasing the number of bucks as in other words it's working and and, you know, that's a concern to big buck hunters. And so there's one more reason you need to be up on the research and what's going on in the field um, because it, it can affect you. Um, and these seminars that I mentioned, uh, Joshua, um, t- to give hunters that might not have heard those episodes an idea of what I mean by these seminars. So, so for example, last year, they had the one uh, from from uh, Rhiannon Jackopak. Uh, she was in the Monteith shop. I think I got her name right. She had a seminar on what was called Punk Rock Mule Deer. Uh, that was a little bit of clickbait, but not not really. What what the seminar was on was this this research study that she conducted, and I believe it was in, yeah it was in the Wyoming range, and uh, she tracked fawn migration, and she found that that half of the fawns that she had collared did not return to to the traditional uh, fawning grounds or winter range that their mother uh, had shown them, and that 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 was kind of caught my ear because. All along, we've always been taught that, oh, they just do what mom did. But she showed that in her research that, no, they 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 didn't. And I, I kind of extrapolated from that. She didn't, she didn't say this, but I'm like, well, that kind of makes sense. Because if a fawn doesn't just follow its mother around and it, and, and it can actually find a new winter range with a different group of deer and everything, that spreads out the risk of, you know, disease transmission, uh, contracting disease, hard winters, or maybe a hard winter on, on a certain winter range. But this, you know, two twin fawns, one goes to that winter range, he dies, but the brother goes to another winter range, he lives, that perpetuates the species. And so just to give people a flavor of what these seminars are about, you know, this is not just boring statistics, you know, things like that. It, it'll really open your eyes to the world of mule deer and, uh, and no one better than the Monteith shop to, to, uh, to be teaching this stuff. So, so it sounds like March 6th, Joshua, we could watch for that on Instagram or on your website that these topics will be released or starting to be released. That's right. Yep. That, that's a goal that we have on that, Robbie. All right. All right. We'll be looking for that. So everybody put that in your phones, March 6th, watch for that. Uh, You can start getting a preview of some of these topics that they're going to be talking about. But I know there's a lot more than just the seminars at the Mule Deer Day. So so let's start with with the where. Where is it at this year, May 2nd through the 4th? Yeah, good good segue there. Um, So the the actual expo um, that in, contains all of the vendors, a bunch of the raffles, the giveaways, 
uh, all of the seminars, that'll all be taking place at the Sweetwater County Events Complex. And, and really, that's the largest venue that we have within Southwest Wyoming to be able to put this on. Now, Thursday night, which would be May 2nd, there's a ladies-only dinner. That'll be uh, at the Holiday Inn. And then the Mule Deer Days dinner will actually be on Friday, May 3rd. And that'll be at Holiday Inn as well. So we're kind of spread out just because of the limitations of the venue. We don't have the you know, the big complex that uh, other bigger cities have to be able to do this. So we've had to we've had to move some things around. But, uh, you know, the mainstay of Mule Deer Day will be at the events complex. Uh, that's where, you know, the 200 gun raffle will be um, all of the expo vendors that we're going to bring in for this. And we've you know, we've only had we only have a couple of spots still available. We're, we're limited again to the size of the complex. But, uh, you know, we're pretty excited about the the list of vendors that we have. And, you know, I, I think, again, I think just to encourage folks, maybe go to our website or check us out on social media. You can see what we have and see where there might be interest uh, for you to want to attend. The event is free. I, I, yeah, you know, that's that right. The event's we, free. There's no charge to get in. No charge. Uh, yeah. If you want to buy a ticket for the 200 gun raffle or the Ford Bronco Raptor that will be given away Saturday, uh, you can do all that online right now, uh, but you can do it at the event as well. Some of the other things that'll be going on at Mule Deer Days at the events complex, uh, Game and Fish, you know, Director Nesvik had an initiative when he became the director that he launched called Inspire a Kid. So both all day Friday and Saturday, there'll be a, a suite of activities from, you know, shooting to a migration obstacle course to track identification, uh, some stuff that's oh, yeah. geared more towards the older kids, stuff that's geared more towards the younger kids. Older kids like as in 50. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the tracking yeah. thing sounds great. Yeah. No, that, that I mean, that's a, and, and the, you know, moving it to May, the weather's going to open up the opportunities. They'll have the poach coach there. They'll have some archery shooting going on. Uh, but yeah, again, it's all, it's all free. It's a great opportunity to bring the entire family and r really just let the kids have a good time. There'd be plenty of good prizes that the kids can win as well, just for being there. Um, we have uh, one company that has put forth a sponsorship to give away a uh, lifetime small game bird conservation stamp fishing license. Uh, and we'll give four of those away, two that'll be kind of broken into an older age bracket, kids, you know, 12 to 17. And then we'll have two that we'll give away for kids that are, you know, zero to 11. And, All right. Yeah, so it opens. Opens with the ladies uh, get together. Was that Thursday night or Thursday daytime? Thursday night at the Holiday Inn. All right. And for those of you who haven't been to Rock Springs, it's 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 easy to get around. It's not like this is spread across a giant city. So even though it doesn't yeah. all occur at the Sweetwater Complex, it's pretty easy to to go to these different events. So it kicks off with with the with the women. Is it women's only, or can you know some of these these single guys that are listening to the episode? Can they come too? Just just asking for a friend. Yeah, they can, they can stand in the hallway, and, you know, do <laughs> the form to chat. come out. <laughs> cool. There you go. They can take, oh, there you go, guys. There you go. See something for everybody. Uh, so that that's Thursday. And then Friday, every it, it's at the event center and that's where people can walk through the different vendor booths, right? You're going to have all no, that. That, that, that starts, uh, that starts on Thursday as well. That so starts on Thursday. Okay. Yeah. The vendor show is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, nine to six each day. And then Thursday night is the ladies only dinner at six. And then Friday evening at six is the Mule Deer Days dinner. And 
that's going to be a good one. That one has a little bit of a theme to it this year. It's casino night. There's a, a third party vendor coming out of Colorado that's going to bring all the different tables, roulette, blackjack, et cetera, and all their staff to be able to run that. We've got a lot of great prizes that'll be given away where where folks, you know, instead of winning cash, they, they win tickets and then they can disperse those tickets and Oh, that's a good thing. Or Travis would go home with no money and his wife would never let him come back if it was real gambling. Uh, so on, on the, uh, on the vendor booths, um, uh, I, I have a list of the vendors here that are, that are coming. I don't know how complete this is, but in, Infinito Safari, Kudu Point, USA, Monster Buck Coffee, Maven Optics, Altitude Outdoors. That's our friend Brad Carter out of Star Valley. Uh, Azire Gear, that's the women's clothing line. I just learned about them at Expo last week. Um, YDOT, that's the highway department, right? Yeah, they're doing a, they've got a booth set up just specific to wildlife crossings. Uh, not only that, uh, you know, an effort that we did, we, drafted a bill with the local legislature in 2018 that was passed through the legislative body and signed by Governor Meade to become available for Wyoming residents on January 1st of 2019 to buy a conservation license plate. It's a really cool plate, has a nice buck on it. Uh, but, you know, within the counties all across the wild, all across the state, there's 23 counties. There's still this process of just government slowdown. Um, and so YDOT has you know, they've, they've kind of streamlined this effort for this event. Uh, if someone's interested in running a conservation plate on their vehicle, they can do it right there, uh, complete the paperwork with YDOT. They'll get their license plate mailed to their county. They can go and pick that up. And those dollars are all held in an account through the Treasury Department in Cheyenne. And they can only be allocated for really wildlife crossings, wildlife-friendly fence modification, and signage. So it's it's a very specific effort. Uh, but an effort that is very, very well underway doing great things. So. Well, okay. Well, I got a question. So it's a, uh, you buy the license plate, you raise funds. It's a Wyoming license plate. It is. So if sure. I buy one, can I be in the resident pool in Wyoming for deer tags? I've just wondered. Has nothing to do with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, why dot will be there anyways. And try them. <laughs> hey, I, I just, just asking. You never know. Uh, let's just see. That? Course of nature, wildlife. What are they all about? You pursue them. You cherish them, and now it's time to protect them. This is the Mule Deer Foundation. Our mission is the conservation of mule deer, black-tailed deer, and their habitats, the heart and soul of the West. Join the herd today and help us preserve the legacy of these majestic creatures for generations to come. Your membership supports essential conservation projects, research initiatives, and educational programs that secure a future for mule deer and black-tailed deer. Our deer, our heritage, our responsibility. Don't just witness their journey, be a part of it. Join the herd. Together, we can make a difference. Visit muledeer.org today. Uh, so that's a that's nothing but photography, really. It's All a, right. and it, awesome. it's really cool photography. Um, yeah, I think since I sent you that list, what was that a week, ten days ago? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now it's it's filled in quite a bit since then. That was uh, the goal. That's great. And I, I'm assuming you know all of these on here. Uh, Keltec uh, CNC Industries. What do they do? Uh, it's a firearm manufacturer. Firearms. Oh, we like guns. Wyoming Wildlife Initiative. Uh, Sporting Lead Free is. Are they an ammo maker? No. So they're uh, they're they're just an organization that really promotes the 
the benefit of really having the information in front of you when you go to buy your ammo. Uh, here, here's the, the benefits of copper. Here's the benefits of lead. They're not pushing any mandate. They're not pushing any legislation. I really like their approach because all they are is just a source of information. Of Education. course, they're tied with uh, Yep, they're tied strongly with Barnes, who who makes nothing but copper bullets. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, they talk a lot about uh, where the the increase of interest within hand loading or reloading has really taken on. Uh, there's still some challenges with distribution. Um, some of the different small mom and pop places that have really sprung up since post COVID to really be able to provide those components. Uh, and really, they just—they're really trying to just share information. They're—they're one hundred percent educational, but they're good folks. Hey, I think there's going to be more copper in the future, not less. Uh, let's see. I see wildlife on there, as in W Y L D life. Uh, wildlife fund. What do they do? So, wildlife fund—that was—that was the five hundred one C three that was developed in twenty nineteen through the Wyoming Game and Fish Department as. And they're a strong partner to us and many others that do good work on Wyoming's landscape. They have become the portal where groups like ours want to contribute money to the game and fish for projects. And that is, it sounds like that should be easy to be done. But when you start talking fiscal budgets, that really is not as simple as it looks. And so the Wildlife Fund, they are the nonprofit entity of the Wyoming Game and Fish Department where these dollars are funneled into one source that doesn't have the same budgetary restraints that the Game and Fish annual budget does that allows them to get these dollars on the ground quickly. And All right. uh, it's, it's really been huge for Wyoming. All right. And th- let's see. I see our, our friends from PhoneScope are there. Not surprised. They su- support a lot of conservation. Rut Holsters, uh, the Wyoming Wildlife Federation, uh, our friend Jaden Bales and the group over there. Good to see them on there. They're the ones that actually turned me on to Mule Deer Days. Uh, let's see. Kuyu, you keep mentioning them. Big, big supporter of, I mean, e- everywhere I go, that there's anything to do with conservation, they're involved. Good good on you guys, Kuyu. Uh, let's see. Wyoming Game and Fish, where he talked about that. Uh, Wild Society Coffee, that's self-explanatory anything coffee you're going to find hunters you mentioned weatherby uh lucid optics uh haven't heard of those guys where are they based out of can you remember yeah they're based out of riverton wyoming riverton all right a lot of their stuff is uh when they first came on the scene 14 years ago they were they were really kind of a a leader in the red dot world Mm -hmm. a lot of personal defense but uh, they've expanded their line and uh, we're excited to have them there. Maven Optics, of course, they're based out of Lander. They'll be there. Gunworks, that's another Wyoming business based out of Cody. Uh, so Gunworks came on since you sent me this list. Yeah, we've had quite a few that have come on. So all right, all it, it's right. going to be a great event. Um, you know, the 200 gun raffle and the Ford Bronco. They they certainly are. You know, that those are great opportunities for folks to to contribute some dollars and see if they could be the lucky winner. Um, we're going to have the governor there on Saturday to draw the winning ticket on the Ford Bronco Raptor, which will be All right. cool. Is this the same governor as last year that actually goes to the mule deer meetings? Same guy? I Man, he's my hero. He's, I'm not even in his state. And I'm like, hey, that's pretty cool if your governor comes to your, your, your severe winter mule deer meetings. Good on him. I got two more on here. Um, the flip-flop guy. Now, I know he has a booth, but he also has a presentation, right? He does. Okay. Now, I missed it last cool year. Story. I um, missed well, it. You got it. So what is the flip-flop guy? So Andy, he's from Montana. He he took this tradition that was a family members of his when they came back from World War II, 
where literally they take a hind quarter of a big game animal and they literally flip flop it on the grill and just carve off pieces as it's cooking. And so that he does do that as a, as an event, he's tied strongly with uh, Sig Sauer and Yeti. He does these events all over the country. It is limited to just a hundred attendees only because of obviously the, the game that he brings. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll be doing that Saturday afternoon. And it's really just cool to see. And it's really something that you can take as a tradition, bring back to your own community, share with your own social circle or friends and family. But once you see it, you'll be like, oh, man, I will never bone out one hind quarter ever again because so he just I need puts to be it on the grill it. and the, 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 the and just keeps flip flopping it as it cooks through. Then he cuts that off then then then, then puts it back on the grill and starts with the, the part that hasn't been cooked and just keeps going. He just goes all the way. Yeah. And it's, Posse, a, I had it's, no it's idea. an incredible process to watch. It's, you a, know, that's kind of how I, I eat my, 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 my deer anyways, is, you know, if I'm really hungry, it's cooking in the pan, you know, I'm pulling off little pieces anyway. So I'm kind of a mini flip-flop guy. But when I saw this on here, I, I literally, I'm thinking Kenny Chesney, like flip-flop guy. Was there a guy out here in Rock Springs, walking around flip-flops? What's this all about? So that is cool. And it sounds like he also has a booth. What does he do at the booth? Is he cooking there too? Or is that no. just on here for the event? No, he, uh, so he has a great lineup of different sauces and seasonings and spices that he does. And, you know, there's a little bit more to it. I mean, we, we've kind of simplified it, but, uh, it's, uh, it's certainly something that I think will pique any, any big game enthusiast interest. Once they see this, I think they'll, they'll be enamored with the idea and the notion of how this is done and and it'll become a tradition of their own. It's really cool. cool. We're, We're excited to have him back. Awesome. And then, of course, the superstar of the event, the Monteith Shop, they will be there. Um, You said you picked up some other vendors since we talked last week. Any of them you can remember off the top of your head here that we need to mention? Yeah, you know, Gunworks was one that was pretty important for us to want to reach out to. Um, We've had several different folks within some of the podcasts that we've done that have mentioned Gunworks. So to get Gunworks was a good one. Um, We have uh, another, gosh, in uh, unfortunately, it escapes my memory, but uh, they make the the replica miniature deer statues, and um, you know that you can hang the bronze or no. They, these are uh, oh, I think know, I like just you saw can hang from week. your rearview mirror. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just can't remember their name. I think it's Mini Muleys. I think I, I saw I or that at least that little one. That's what it was called. But yeah, I saw them at the expo, and um, uh, uh, or. Maybe it was a competitor. I don't know. But it was really cool. You can take your trophy to them, um, your mule deer, and they can they can make a mirror image of it in a, in, 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 and then it's tiny. And like I said, you can you can hang it from your mirror. That company, same, same, same thing. Same, same type of thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So okay, they're there. Um uh, Gunworks, big Wyoming uh based company. Be good to have them there. My friend Dustin Whitworth works there. Dustin, we better see you there working the booth. And stay in the booth the whole time. You can't go out and walk around, man. You got to be in there and talk to customers. Um, I'll bring you a hot dog. Maybe I'll bring you something from the flip flop guy. So good to have them in there. I think you know any any Wyoming based company should be there. Um, uh, we want to support you guys uh, from, from Rockslide. That's why we got you on the podcast today. Um, one other question I had. Um, I know the way Wyoming distributes. I, I always call them governor's tags, but they're not always governor's tags. But you know these these statewide raffle tags. Sometimes they allow you to hunt. You know statewide. Any 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 open dates sometimes are specific to the draw hunts i don't know every state does them different that's why i get mixed up but are there any raffle tags going on at this event for those there are yeah and so 
and I think the tag, I mean, and maybe this is just a good opportunity to kind of clarify because you're right. Every state does it different. Wyoming has a governor's tag and they have a commissioner's tag. And the difference between the two, the governor's tag, and there's 10 of those that are available for deer, elk, and antelope. Uh, we get three of those every three years. And then every third year we get four. Mm-hmm. And we share those with the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and the Mule Deer Foundation as all three of our entities are part of the Wyoming Governor's Big Game License Coalition. What is unique about the governor's tag is you pick your species and then you can hunt any open area statewide. The difference between the commissioner's tag and the governor's tag, commissioner's tag, same thing, you pick your species, deer, elk, or antelope, and then you have to pick an area. And then you are you are just subject to being able to hunt that area when it is open. So if you gotcha. So if I want to pick unit wanna... 101, I, 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 yep. I pick that I can go, but that's the only unit I can go to. I can't, you know, snows up by Dubois. I can't run up there and hunt the rut. That's right. Gotcha. Well, that'll, that that'll influence sense. demand on how many raffle tickets they sell. So if you're, you know, you're not quite so picky, you can, you can get one of these commissioner tags, uh, hunt one of your, uh, one of your favorite areas. Th- those will be raffled off there. How many of them are there? Uh, so we have two. You have uh, two. Okay. And, and and they're not tied to the area. It's hunter's choice, right? It is, yeah. You you pick your species, and then you pick the hunt area anywhere in the state that you want to be able to hunt. And you know, if you're if you're a mule deer guy and you want to hunt that late season tag by Dubois, then then really a governor's tag. You're just throwing your money away because a commissioner's tag will do that for you. Gotcha, but, uh, gotcha. Okay, that's good to know, man. That's good to know. And uh, on the governor's tag, are there any of those in the raffle at this event? No, all those, uh, the three that we had, uh, we sold at uh, an event that we did in partnership with the Grand Club Obus Club at their event uh, last month in Nashville. And so th- those have all, those have all been sold, but, uh, yeah, okay. we, uh, you know, the, the problem with moving an event till May is sometimes you, you, you kind of miss the marketability of those premier yeah. licenses because people have already secured them, trying to get them as early as they could. So, yeah. Understood. Understood. Well, we got the two raffle tags there, commissioner type tags. Pick your area uh, for some. We do, I, Robbie, I, I will tell you, though, we do have a governor's bison tag that'll be at Mule Deer Days. And, and that is different than, the, obviously, the, the governor's tag that most people talk about. But there are governor's tag specific for sheep, specific for moose and specific for bison. And we do have a governor's bison tag that'll be at Mule Deer Days. All right. All right. Good to know. So, okay. Well, I think we covered everything here. Did I miss something? You know, I, I think the the one thing that uh, we, we haven't talked about is, is why we're doing this event and why we're in partnership with the Wyoming Game and Fish Department. Uh, it, is a, it is an education event, but it's also a fundraising event. And that that's really why we got motivated to put this on. Um, last year's event generated a little over $472,000. And we identified a nine-member all-volunteer project committee to allocate those dollars to things that would benefit mule deer across the Cowboy State. And that'll be the same for this year. That's the that's the mainstay of why we have this event. And it really is an opportunity for not only those nine members that are serving on this project allocation committee, uh, but uh, it's really to look at where are the best-served opportunities to put money on the ground to benefit mule deer in Wyoming. So I love it, man. And you know what? If we're going to have mule deer in our future, this is the kind of stuff we need to be doing. And I remember last year from the 
first few minutes I met you to, to, to go into those seminars and everything, I thought this is such a good cause and it's why we want to get behind you. I hope our listeners will get behind you at least with a, with an Instagram follow, uh, maybe able to attend the event. Uh, we would love to have you out there. Anything you can do, uh, may, may, maybe you're in a position where you can start a chapter. Uh, yeah, there's just so many things that mule deer need and this stuff is fun. People get involved. I've been volunteered for mule deer since I was in my early 20s. I learned a lot being around guys like Joshua and these researchers and events like this. It's why I, it's why I support them all. And um, y- you will get more out of it than you put in, I promise you. So Mule Deer Days, May 2nd through the 4th in the sprawling metropolis of Rock Springs, Wyoming. You can still shed hunt on opening day. And um, actually, what time does the show open each day? What time does does it open? Yeah, so it's nine to six all three days. Ah, you can still get an early morning uh, shed hunt in, and you know there's sheds around Rock Spring. Just saying, don't ask me how I know. Um, uh, I mean, you, you you can still shed hunt every day there, guys. Uh, so, anyways, no excuse not to come. Um, uh, short of death or destruction, Travis and I will be down there too. Um, I hope hope anybody that comes come say hi to us. Come meet Joshua, shake his hand. He's working hard for your mule deer, hard. And, um, uh, you know, he, he could, this guy's talented. He could go make a lot of money doing something else, but he's given his life to mule deer. We appreciate that Joshua. And if there's anything we can do to help you, that would be great. I know you've got me in with uh, Dr. Monteith. We're going to have him on a future episode. Um, but we're here if you need us. Okay. Robbie, I appreciate it greatly. And more than anything, you, you already are helping just, just by getting the word out. I mean, really that's what it takes is these events, um, you know, they only continue to persist if they're supported. And that's what we're trying to do this year is just make this something that is known to as many people as we can. It's very unprecedented. I don't think folks realize how unprecedented it really is that a state agency would approach a group like ours and say, what do you think about putting on an event that can become an annual event to support mule deer statewide? And um, that that's that's really unheard of. And uh, we're, we're certainly grateful for the opportunity. It's a great partnership. Uh, we, we know the value that our resources in Wyoming, in our wildlife resources, what they hold. And uh, those aren't just for Wyoming residents. I'm with you. I, I, I kind of get, I get sideways when I start hearing people talk about uh, resident, non-resident. And, you know, I, you know, it, we're all Americans. Uh, these, these are all wonderful resources. Certainly as a resident of Wyoming, I, I, consider myself a steward of these landscapes, but, uh, you know, I got three army buddies from 30 years ago that, uh, you know, one lives in Illinois, one lives in South Carolina and one lives in Florida. And I, I tell them every chance I get, you know, that, that I'm not doing this work just for, for me or for my family or the folks that live in Wyoming, you know, half of our state is public land that's owned by all Americans. Mm-hmm. And that's something to be, that's a treasure. That's a national treasure. And, uh, the only thing that enhances our public lands more than, just being wide open spaces in my mind is to be able to have great wildlife resources on those landscapes. So Absolutely. And we need national support to be able to do that. And so that's why I always mention my non-resident hunting brothers. If we can make room for them, let's do it. Um, that's going to ensure mule deer and wild land for our future, for our kids, for our kids' kids. And Joshua, when they decided to do this event, I'm glad that you took the torch. They picked the right man for the job and we're going to help you any way we can. Okay. Robbie, thanks, brother. Appreciate it. You bet. Okay, talk soon. Bye-bye. Sounds good.